Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Wayman Wednesday. That means you're about to hear a message from the founder of our fellowship, Pastor Wayman Mitchell. Even though he entered into his reward and is in the presence of our Lord, we still need to hear his clarion call to faithfulness, holiness, discipleship, and commitment to the cause of Christ. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. We have a jail ministry, and our lady jail minister went into the jail and announced that they were going to have Christian services. And one of the female inmates said, what, what church is that? They said, it's the Potter's House. She said, I'm not going. That's the church that doesn't tip in the restaurants. I'm sure they were talking about you. So be sure and leave a good record behind. They can finally turn out all right. She did go. But uh, our testimony follows us. Can you say amen? The book of Ruth, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn there. This conference theme is Handfuls of Destiny. The book of Ruth, chapter 1, if you'll turn there with me. Destiny is a very interesting consideration in theology. If we could give a brief definition, destiny could be uh, termed a predetermined purpose towards which God is moving individuals in the events of life that at the time seem insignificant. However, they have an element that determines their eternal destiny. There are many people that will never reach their destiny because the events about which they made choices in life uh, seemed at the time to not be that uh, significant, uh, and the choices they made uh, played into the eternal work and the purpose of God, and they never reach their destiny. We have a story that is one of the great stories of the Bible. The truths that are in this story are almost endless that we could talk about tonight, But I want to just simply preach for a few minutes on handfuls of destiny. Begin with chapter 1. We have a family that went up to Moab in a time of crisis in the land of Israel. This family had two sons. These two sons marry Moabite girls. The husband dies. The two sons dies. And... uh, Now it comes time for the mother to return to the land of Israel. Her name is Naomi. And I want to pick up this story in the book of Ruth, chapter 1, verse 11. But Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb? That they may be your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go, for I am too old. To have a husband, if I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband tonight and should also bear sons, would you wait for them till they were grown? 
Would you restrain yourselves from having husband? No, my daughters. For it grieves me very much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me. And more also, if anything but death parts me, you and me. Turn over to chapter 2, verse 1 for a moment. We'll pick the story up a little further down. There was a relative of Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth of the family of the Limelech. His name was Boaz. So Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him in whose sight I may find favor. She said to her, Go, my daughter. Then she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. Now over to verse 15 of that same chapter. When she rose up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. And also let grain from the bundles fall purposely for her. Leave it that she may glean, and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening, and beat out what she had gleaned. And it was about an ephah of barley. I want to preach to you, on the conference theme, Handfuls of Destiny. First of all, I want to call your attention to one of the common mistakes that we make in life, especially in the church world and especially as pastors and leaders. We're always looking for the big break. Can you say amen? We're looking for the big break. My son was pioneering in South Africa a number of years ago. He was in a uh, uh, a suburb, uh, uh, a very intimidating city, jo uh, Johannesburg, South Africa, about 12 million people, I think. And uh, he was uh, ministering in a section where uh, there were uh, lots of white people, white South Africans, and there were some Jewish people. He was pioneering work there. Had a little handful of people, probably never 17 or 18 people. Had Stacy Dillard in for revival, they were going to do a concert in uh, the uh, uh, parking lot of this shopping center. This is going to be tripping to the uh, the big time. We're going to have a revival now that's going to churn up some interest and bring it in. And right at the moment that they're going to start this concert, it comes a deluge, absolutely wipe them out. The meeting continued in the building, and it didn't draw flies. Very discouraged young man. This was going to be the big brick. 
As events happened, the man that was supposed to take Stacy for the next week uh, decided he didn't want him. Greg called me on the telephone and said, Dad, would it be all right with you if I rented a tent uh, and went into this other area? There's a township called El Dorado Park. It is a uh, adjoining Soweto, the infamous Soweto, where the uh, burning tire necklacing took place uh, uh, for years. And I said, fine, do that. He uh, obtained a little uh, lot there to set the tent, no advertising, opened the first night, had 72 people with no advertising. Uh, the next night with Stacy had 160 people and a church was born and Greg stepped into destiny. Now think with me for a moment concerning this. Uh, because no one in life wants to start at the bottom. You might as well say amen. If you don't want to say amen, say oh me. Destiny tonight comes very often disguised as insignificant opportunities. Some years ago I was preaching in Las Vegas. I went to the Golden Nugget to eat, and I was curious about this. They have a nugget there that was found in Australia. It's the largest nugget in the world. It sold for a million dollars. You know, that's pretty significant. Can you say amen? And they've got it in a case, and uh, this nugget was found uh, uh, near, very near, almost on the top of the ground. And as I saw that uh, fantastic, this whole casino was named after that. And as I saw that, uh, I thought to myself, this is exactly like human nature. We're always looking around the church world. We're looking for the golden nugget. Can you say amen? Laying right on the top where we can see it uh, and we get this big break. It's called the golden nugget syndrome. Very common in pastors. Because gleaning is not worthy of our talent. Here in verse 2, we have a phenomenal statement, and that statement is, Ruth says, let me go glean. Now, gleaning tonight is moving in a field where the reapers are reaping, and what it is is gathering leftovers. It's laboring in obscurity. The technical definition says gleaning is a custom of allowing the poor to follow the reapers in the field and gather the fallen spears of grain. So here is a Moabitess widow. She's come with her mother-in-law to this land, and she says, let me go glean. There is no social welfare system. There is no old age pension. There is no widow's sustenance. It is a desperate situation. She says, let me go and glean. I want to tell you, this is the history tonight uh, of our fellowship. You heard it in some of these reports tonight. What is this? Uh, 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 one guy on one side, baptizing the other side, and baptizing uh, to be in church at all. Matter of fact, if they walked into some churches, this is the history of our fellowship. I was never in my entire pastor offered any church of any promise. My first church was in the thriving metropolis of Wickenburg, Arizona. 
1,500 people in the summertime, about 3,000 in the winter when the dudes all came out to act, uh, like, be, do the cowboy thing. And so this was it. Had probably 15 old folks. My wife and I were like a youth movement as we sat past her. Church was in Courtney, British Columbia, Vancouver Island, a city of 3,500 people that had been damaged by a moral failure. My third church was in Emmett, Idaho, a city of 3,500 people that had a struggling people, a group of people that had never supported a pastor in the history of the church. My fourth church was in Carson, California, a building that was built of concrete, could never be enlarged. It looked like a bathtub turned upside down. Seven ladies, the minute I got there, announced to me that they had been trained and they had evangelist credentials and they were legitimate ministers. That excited me. And when we came to Prescott, Arizona... With my family, uh, we had 29 people in the first uh, service. Listen to what I'm going to say. It is probably safe to say tonight uh, that the purposes of God uh, are hidden uh, in the invisible mix uh, of being willing to take uh, the leftovers. I want to say that to you again by the tape. You can write it down for yourself. It is probably safe to say that the purposes of God are hidden in the invisible dynamics of being willing to take the leftover. Ruth said, please let me go and glean. This is a powerful principle. I trust the Holy Spirit tonight will impress this, imprint this upon the heart of every church and every minister that wants to preach the gospel tonight. In the book of Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 10, the Bible says, Who has despised the day of small things? For these seven rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. Now, there's 18 sermons right in that text alone if you're looking for something to preach. That was spoken not only here. It was spoken two other times concerning the restoring and the rebuilding of the temple. It was spoken in the book of Nehemiah. It was spoken in the book of Haggai. And here it is spoken of in the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem that had been destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. When it was spoken, they were rebuilding this temple out of the rubble, out of the stones that had been torn down and out of the rubble that was there and out of the rubble. And as it was being built, the old men who had seen the original temple wept because of the miserable state of what they were seeing. And they wept and the prophet spoke these words and said, don't despise the day of small thing. God's doing something uh, that's not measured by your measurement. Uh, it's measured by God. Uh, and the eyes of the Lord uh, are beholding something uh, that is there. Uh, and they missed the larger picture of what God was doing. Now listen to me tonight. Uh, because 
One thing is very important. If we're going to know destiny, we're going to have to see beyond the present issues and the outward appearance into the hidden purposes of God. And as Pastor Campbell said tonight, we're going to have to have God guide us into that destiny. This is what made our fellowship tonight. Our fellowship was built largely out of storefront buildings out of A&W root beer stands. Our fellowship was built out of ethnic groups uh, of minorities. Our fellowship was built out of the cast-offs, uh, the gleaning society. Uh, when I'm talking about storefronts, uh, came to my mind uh, the church in Tucson. Uh, Harold Warner took an old building that I think they had maybe three people in it. Uh, and the, be- the beam that was in there was a do-it-yourself thing. It made you almost have heart failure to see it's bowing, uh, waiting for the roof to cave in at any time. The church in Chandler, Arizona was begun in an empty A&W root beer stand. I could tell you about other places. One of these is a 28th church where an empty old church building was turned over. Joe Camel pioneered a church there. Another was on Guam where you could come into the old house that was used as a church and you could push your hand through the wood. The termites had eaten it up and push it through. This is the glorious beginnings of this fantastic move of God that we have. I was sitting in a, minute, in a meeting of dignitaries and the leader of the organization that we were a part of at that time made the statement, we do not consider a church to be a church until they own their own property and have a building. And I looked at that man and I thought to myself, have you never read the Bible? Are you ignorant about the history of God moving in power? In the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 10 says, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. When people are willing to be the gleaners in the harvest field, when they're willing to labor in obscurity, when they're willing to deal with the outcasts of society, you see God at work because God is powerfully moving. And James prophesied to a church that was losing this vision, and he said these words, Listen, my beloved brethren, Has not God chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? James is speaking to them and saying to them, don't get carried away because a few people with some bucks have gone in and sitting in your congregation and you want to show favor to them. He's speaking to them and saying, I want you to remember that God has chosen the poor of this world who's rich in faith Don't be led aside. Isaiah 58 verse 12 speaks these words. Those from among you shall build the old waste places. Uh, You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. And you shall be called the repair of the breach, uh, the restorer of paths uh, to dwell in. So as we ponder for a moment this business of destiny, uh, I want to lock your mind into the story that we have here. And uh, the story that we have uh, is that if you're not very careful, you make a common mistake. You're always looking for the big break uh, instead of seeing what God is doing uh, with where you are and what you have. 
I want to talk about the blessing tonight uh, of faithfulness. The Bible is not a star-studded history of individuals. I was on our old airplane some years ago, uh, flying with the missionary director of the organization that we were part of. On board that plane with us were, was a uh, young Mexican man uh, lifted out of drug addiction, who at that time was uh, uh, beginning a work of pastoring in Nogales, Arizona. The building that we opened in could probably seat comfortably 35 people. This missionary director was trying to impress us about how powerful uh, the movement was, uh, and he was name-dropping. Certain church in Central America, they have somebody very prominent in the government there. Then another one has a general in it. And I'm sitting listening to this, and I'm looking at this man, and then I'm looking at this Mexican young man. He didn't even understand, wasn't even the same world he was from. Not only uh, was he not impressed, he couldn't even understand what it was all about. Let's give an honest analysis tonight. We have in the scripture man who's a prophet named Amos. Amos was a an itinerant fruit picker. You and I know them as fruit tramps. We have another man, and this man's name is Hosea. Hosea had a very bad marriage. We have another man who's very prominent and a very powerful story about him. His name is Jephthah. He was the illegitimate son of a prostitute. We have another man that the Bible mentions. His name is Jabez, and he was the unwanted child whose mother was so upset that she named him child of sorrows and cursed his entire life. Now, this is the foundation that we have for the story that we're looking at tonight. Here's a powerful story, a Moabitess widow. Her name is Ruth, and this woman had been married to Naomi's son. This son had died. Here she is, and as she's come back with Naomi, made her choice. She's going to follow her. She's going to make her God her God, and she's going to join herself and her future with her, lock her destiny in with this Jew named Naomi. In Ruth 1.16, Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God shall be my God. Here's a widow. She makes a choice. And as she makes that choice, uh, she comes from an idolatrous background. Moabites were idol worshipers. She has married the son of a Jew. She comes back with this woman. She makes a choice. Uh, and as she makes that choice, we see true conversion. Listen to Ruth chapter 3, uh, verse 11. Boaz said about this young woman as he observed her, For all the people of my town know that you are a virtuous woman. This is how we know that she's converted. Are you still with me? You know, this is a generation of whores and whoremongers. If that shocked you, stay with me. Uh, we'll get to better stuff later on. 
This is how we know that she was converted. William Barclay said the one true uh, element that Christianity brought into the world that was distinctive, uh, that Christianity brought into the pagan world, uh, was moral purity. So let's follow on for a moment, uh, because here's a woman with character. And this woman with character is willing to glean to a meager substance uh, to help feed her and her former husband's mother. And Ruth 2, verse 12, Boaz comes on the scene. He says, The Lord repay your work, and a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. Not only this, but Ruth 2, 15 and 16 says, When she rose up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves. Do not reproach her, and let grain from the bundles uh, fall purposely for her. Leave it that she may glean, and do not uh, rebuke her. Now think about this for a moment, uh, because I want to tell you that this trait of character, this faithfulness uh, in her character, not only is in her moral fiber, but it plays out in all of life. You know, many people don't have any understanding about that. They think that life is a little compartments. You can, you can sin here and you'll be pure here. Or you can uh, rebel here, uh, but this thing's going to be all right. But I want to tell you that character runs through all of life. Many pastors don't understand that. They think they're going to be able to stand in their pulpit. They're going to be able to minister. And their character is not going to affect the outcome of what you're doing. And it may take some time, but I want to tell you, whatsoever man sows, he'll also reap. He that sows to the flesh will reap to the flesh. He that sows to the spirit shall reap of the spirit. And you can't avoid that. Here's a character. This character plays into this woman. She's willing to glean to gather up a few grains of grain so that she can survive. This is character. The same character that calls her moral purity also kept her in a faithful dimension and she's willing to labor and glean. There was a saying that was said some years ago and it says a man who is faithful to his wife is faithful in all of his life. A man who is unfaithful to his wife is not just unfaithful to his wife, he is unfaithful, period. Now what we have is a character trait, and that character trait is going to play out. I'm a pastor of pastors, I'm a trainer of pastors, I'm a disciple of pastors, and I want to tell you, you'll never... Uh, you'll never avoid this when you begin to discover certain traits in a man. Uh, it's not just isolated there. It runs through whether uh, whatever he's doing. If he's dishonest with money, he's dishonest with money. Well, he's, he's just dishonest with other people's money. No, he's dishonest, period. So here's a woman who's willing to glean, and as she is willing to give her efforts to this and faithful to this, uh, there's something that is triggered, uh, and that which is triggered uh, was more than just handfuls of grain. It triggered handfuls uh, of destiny uh, for this woman's life. Listen to Ruth 2, verses 8 and 9. Do not go to glean. 
in another field, nor go from here, but stay close by my young women. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Little did Ruth know that her destiny in life was locked up with that small, insignificant decision that she made to continue on and make that choice to remain in that field and to faithfully labor. She had no inkling that her whole destiny in life was tied in with that very small decision. History tonight warns you and I as we're seated in this building. In the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 8, verse 14, God says, Beware that your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. You know, some of you fellows are doing really well. Driving a good car. You don't have to do manual labor anymore. Some of you are doing very well. Listen to these next verses I'm going to read. Then you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. And you should remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, uh, that he may establish his covenant, uh, which he swore to your fathers uh, as it is uh, this day. Say, what are you talking about? What I'm talking about is uh, when God... uh, has blessed you. He's blessed you, leading you towards your destiny. Your destiny is not on this earth. Lord delivers. Can you say amen? Your destiny is not now with your slick duds and, and your coiffed hair and, and that suit that you wear. That's not what your destiny is. If that's all your destiny is, go out somewhere and bury yourself somewhere. We're going to a place that God has planned. Can you say amen? We have a wonderful destiny tonight, and everything that God lays into your hand should focus towards uh, that destiny that God has given you. Uh, years ago, I'm moving ahead quickly as I can, there was a man said to me, Pastor Mitchell, you know what we need to do? We need to put out some advertising. We need to put it, we need to make ourselves known. We need to let the world know what we're doing. We need to get a little bit of uh, prominence, get some recognition here. You know what our blessing has been in ministry? Our blessing has been our faithfulness in obscurity. Here's a little widow. This little woman is faithful. The decision she made, your God shall be my God, and your people shall be my people. I'm going to follow you, and death only death is going to part us. That quality, she made a decision. Little did she know the destiny that that small, insignificant decision was going to make. Let's talk about the unfolding destiny for a moment. There's a basic principle that is at work here, and that is that the future is only revealed as we walk by faith. In the book of Psalms 37, verse 23, says the steps of a man are from the Lord, and he establishes him in whose way he delights. And not only that, but it says we walk by faith and not by sight. And the book of Proverbs 4.18 says the path of the just is as the shining light that shines more and more unto the coming day. Now, this is beyond the grasp of the skeptic tonight. 
from the handfuls of grain that were dropped purposely for Ruth because she was faithful. It was linked into her character, according to Boaz, her destiny and God's purpose for her life began to unfold. Listen to Ruth 4.13. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And when he went into her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Now, if you're a Bible student, you understand that from this union of this widow from Moab, who had made a decision for God, and her decision to stay in this harvest field where this man had began to drop handfuls on purpose, her eternal destiny began to unfold. And from the lineage of the child that was born of that union is the lineage of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now think with me for a moment. Here is a, an issue that we need to ponder as we apply this to our own heart. She never, Ruth never dreamed when she decided that day that she's going to go out and glean in obscurity and take the casts off so the left behinds or the leftover. She never dreamed that when she made that decision to follow Naomi, that Naomi's God being her God, she never dreamed that this was going to bring her into a destiny that was far beyond anything even of her present lifetime into the eternal purposes of God. Never underestimate the power of your witness tonight. Here is a woman, this obscure widow, and this obscure widow named Naomi influenced this Moabitess girl to come back. And as she influenced that woman... Uh, to do that, destiny unfolds, uh, and now Naomi's going to get a tremendous blessing. Remember, there is no old age pension. There are no widows or survivors benefits. Uh, it's a, a beggar's life, uh, and she's apparently herself not able to labor. She must be up somewhat in years and perhaps feeble in body. Uh, and something happens uh, as this four story unfolds. Uh, now the child is born, and as the child is born, Naomi now has as a result of that a provision for life because she becomes the actual nurse for this child, feeding this nurse, feeding this child from her own body. Not only that, but she's provided housing and provision for the entire lifetime because she made a witness for God and that witness for God, more fruit. If you're faithful tonight, even your barrenness and even your bitterness can be turned into a wonderful blessing because that's the story of Naomi. Can you say amen? When she came back from Naomi, they said, Naomi, that's what her, her, uh, her uh, name means is, uh, is, uh, uh, happiness. And she said, don't call me Naomi because I'm bitter. <laughs> I want to tell you, God can heal your bitterness tonight. A lot of the reason you're unfruitful is because you are bitter. 
Your barrenness and your unfruitfulness can be healed. This is the story we have. And let me conclude by saying this. I wonder tonight how many handfuls of destiny are around you. There are cities that are waiting for someone that will believe God. There are nations that are waiting for someone that will believe God. When we do these conferences, we do these conferences with a specific aim to challenge people uh, to the harvest fields. Uh, And I want to tell you that there's a roof waiting somewhere for a witness uh, that will step into the lineage of destiny uh, as handfuls of destiny begin to unfold for that. You see, the story that we have here is that God is working his purpose if we will respond. Can you say amen tonight? You know, many people, they, they, they have the attitude, well, I don't know what God, I don't know, God, God's, I guess he's taking a vacation. They have that. God is working his purpose. Can you say amen? I felt a rush of the Holy Spirit in this conference. Pastor Camel spoke. I've been excited about what God's going to do. And I want to tell you tonight uh, that God is working his purpose uh, and there are handfuls of destiny all around you, but you're going to have to have an attitude. And that attitude is, uh, I'm willing to take the leftovers of life. I'm willing to glean in obscurity. I'm willing to be faithful to the calling that God has given me. Uh, If God can find someone... uh, that will respond. I never dreamed tonight uh, that I would be standing on this platform uh, looking out at this beautiful congregation of people uh, and the multiplied thousands that it represents. Uh, I never dreamed that that would ever be uh, possible. I'd be involved in that. uh, But I want to tell you, remember the statement that I brought before. uh, uh, Destiny often comes uh, as insignificant opportunities. And let me say again, it is probably safe to say that the purposes of God are hidden in the invisible dynamics of being willing to take the leftovers. One scripture in conclusion. This is the book of 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10. I has not seen, neither has ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. What about you sitting in this building tonight? You see, there are gleanings tonight that are disguised as insignificant opportunities. Uh, They're not golden nuggets laying around. The minute your eye falls on them, that's it. That'll put me on the map. It may be a drug addict that you would have enough uh, uh, patience with to work with till they get delivered and clean. It might be a couple that are living together that are in immorality that if you'd show some grace and love and care for them, uh, they might turn out uh, to be your next pastors that you sent out. Can you say amen? When Jesus ministered to the woman at the well of Samaria, Samaria was a territory that Jews did not travel through. They were idolatrous. 
They were immoral. He stopped and talked to a little woman at the well, Jacob's well in Samaria. He impacted her life with the eternal glory of God that transformed her character. She went back to her city, brought the city out to hear this man and see this man. And these despised Samaritans, this little woman has had five husbands. She's shacking up with number six. When Jesus touches her, she becomes the instrument that goes back in and the entire city comes out to hear him. And they said to her, now we believe, not because what you told her, but we've heard him ourselves." I wonder tonight, as you're sitting in this building, if God could touch your heart and if God could move upon you, to hear the words of the Lord Jesus as that event takes place. John chapter 4, he said to his disciples, who were as ignorant as some of us half the time, lift up your eyes and look on the fields. Don't say there's yet four months and then comes harvest. Lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they're white already under harvest. He was talking about this mass of mess humanity, uh, immoral, idolatrous, unclean, confused, uh, that were desperate. Uh, and that was what he was talking about. Why don't you see, he said, these are the people that are ready to be reaped. I want every head bowed, every eye closed. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.